Right. Well, good morning. Just going to wait for the tech crew to do their magic to get the uh, the video going or whatever. And uh, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here this morning. Thank you for your support uh, of our ministry. We're so very, very grateful. We do not take that for granted, and uh, just uh, are very honored that you would choose to support our ministry. Uh, I was just at a musical event uh, in the southeastern Manitoba uh, several months ago, and a gentleman came up to me and said, it's through your radio program that I came to faith in Christ. So I was very encouraged because if you catch the program, Heart of the South, we don't necessarily do a, you know, an altar call at the end of the program or anything like that, but uh, it's often the message and the lyrics of the songs that uh, bring a response. And uh, so that was very, very encouraging. Uh, to, to hear that. And I know, uh, I guess last night coming out here, I, I know I got bumped for Tiger Hills hockey, and I'll try not to be too bitter about that. But uh, if you enjoy Southern Gospel, we're also heard on 9.20 a.m. out of Portage, uh, Sunday afternoons at 1 o'clock. If you've got a fairly good radio, you could pull that one in as well. Oh, there we are. Okay, great. Um, want to share this morning on the, uh, on the topic of uh, leaving the baggage behind. Leaving the baggage behind. Now, uh, I don't see the screen in front of me, so I'll have to kind of flip back and forth from time to time. But uh, anyway, um, we just uh, recently came back from vacation, and I'll talk about that in just a moment. But um, wanted to share a couple of announcements of things that are coming up. If we can just kind of advance, or you know what, I think this thing might not be on. We'll just get the techie stuff going here. Okay. Oh, there we go. It's vibrating, so I think that's good. There we go. Ever heard of these guys, Prairie Joe? They are going to do our 2020 concert tour, and uh, they will be in Killarney the first Thursday in April. And uh, that will be this year at Calvary Baptist Church. Uh, we're very excited to have uh, Calvary Baptist back in the, in the concert circuit of One Hope Canada concerts in Killarney. We're thankful for this church and the MB Church uh, that have hosted these last number of years, but it's great to have Calvary Baptist on. And uh, if you remember the concerts that we've had there in the past, they pack out uh, quite a bit, and so you want to be early. Uh, Seven o'clock is the start time, but uh, you want to be early for that concert. So again, that's the first Thursday in April, seven o'clock at Calvary Baptist on Mountain Avenue, kind of just behind the co-op. I think you all know where that is probably. Okay, uh, next thing I was going to tell you about is the first Sunday in June is an exciting event at Turtle Mountain Bible Camp, and that is, of course, the open house. And uh, we're just rejoicing in the Lord's provision, and uh, the building uh, should be done by then. The finances have been provided, and we're so very grateful. So 2 o'clock on the first Sunday in June, uh, June, uh, it's on the next slide here, there we go, uh, June the 7th is uh, when that's happening, so come on out, uh, check out the new building, and enjoy a day of celebrating God's provision and uh, a new facility at Turtle Mountain Bible Camp. Also wanted to mention, uh, as uh, thank you for those kind words, Matt, that was, I was very honored with those very kind words, and uh, 
Natalie, uh, she's just working on setting up a counseling practice. She, we generally do everything together. In fact, we were just uh, in, the, in the sunshine state for three weeks. And so she kind of said, you know, I hope you understand. We, were, we just had three weeks of uh, traveling together. She said, I hope you don't mind if I don't join you on the three-hour trip to Killarney. She uh, needed a time of rest, and she's doing things uh, with her church family back home. But she sends her uh, greetings and her uh, love. But anyway, this is her website of the counseling practice she had just launched umbrella tree counseling and there's a whole story why she chose that name and I think it's on her website really cool story um, from the book of second Kings or first Kings or one of those Kings kind of thing um, really cool but anyway she is taking book and she's over at 1200 Pemina Highway in Winnipeg and her heart in particular is for people in ministry so people that uh, you know the uh, the missionaries wives that we serve with uh, the families that are in ministry that's I mean she she'll you know uh, counsel anyone but that's really her heart. And so uh, that's her website, UmbrellaTreeCounseling.com. And I think I've got some cards. I didn't think to put them on the table, but if you want a business card, uh, talk to me after. We'll get you set up with that as well. As I mentioned, we, um, Bert and I were just talking before uh, momentarily, and uh, last year we took a bit of a mini sabbatical, and we went down to, to Florida. We love uh, the Sunshine State to be able to kind of have longer days and be able to spend time in the sunshine and uh, our, our favorite beaches down there uh, in Sarasota. It's kind of like walking in icing sugar, very, very fine sand that gets in everything and, and just white as could be. And uh, we just love it. And, and this year it was warm enough to actually swim in the Gulf for a bit. And we took in a bunch of concerts. Uh, I mean, it's kind of like there's about a million people that descend on Florida in the winter months, and a lot of them are Southern Gospel fans, and so we were able to take in concerts by groups that never come up here. I was able to do a bunch of interviews. You'll hear them on the program if you listen. And uh, so there's a little bit of work mingled in with vacation. One thing we got to do as well is take in a Franklin Graham uh, event. Uh, Franklin, of course, is the oldest son of Billy Graham, and he was doing a Florida tour while we were there. And uh, so that was a real mo uh, momentous uh, thing for us because uh, that was the first time that we had been to a Franklin Graham, Graham event since two days after we met. We met back in October of 2006, and uh, there was the Franklin Graham Festival in Winnipeg, and so we had a delightful time there. Now, the, way we're, the reason we were able to afford this vacation uh, down in Florida, well, being, you know, tightwadded Mennonites and on a missionary budget, um, a couple of things had to come together. One is that we had... Uh, some friends down there that host us when we come, and so it's a fraction of the cost of a hotel or, or whatever. Uh, the other factor was there's this airline that flies direct from Winnipeg to Tampa called Swoop, and they had these flights ridiculously cheap. We were able to fly that way for $87 Canadian, so we're like, whoa, you know, couldn't drive uh, that for, for anything, you know. But people told us, you know, if you're going to fly Swoop, uh, that's fine, but you got to be really flexible, okay? Flights get canceled, flights get delayed, and that kind of thing. And uh, that was certainly our experience, but we just kind of took it, you know, we held it loosely. We're kind of, okay, you know, whatever. We got there three hours late, uh, but our host was very uh, kind, and, and so, uh, so that was all good. Well, on the way back, things got really interesting. The plane to, that was coming to pick us up, it started the day in Mesa, Arizona, okay? So it starts off in Mesa, Arizona, flies to Winnipeg, uh, drops off the people, grabs another bunch, flies them to Tampa, and then it was supposed to leave Tampa at 8.30 in the evening, ending up in Winnipeg at midnight of that night. Now, I had foolishly <laughs> taken a speaking engagement the following day in Steinbach at uh, our sending church and uh, to a seniors group, 
And Natalie had kind of said, why would you do that? You know, and so she had uh, wisely counseled me not to, but I hadn't listened. You know, sometimes, <laughs> as, as Chuck Swindoll has said, uh, sometimes the voice of God sounds strangely like your wife. You know? <laughs> so, so anyway, so I didn't listen. And so anyway, so, so we get up in the morning of uh, Thursday, the 30th of January, and I checked, you know, the Swoop website, and just even leaving Mesa, they're half an hour late. I'm like, this is not good, because everything, like, it's kind of the domino effect. It was not going well, you know. They're starting off half an hour late. And I don't know what happened, because from Mesa, Arizona to Winnipeg, they lost two hours in flight. By the time they landed in Winnipeg, they were, they were two and a half hours. Like, I don't know if they forgot to take the map or what happened. <laughs> you know, so anyway, so now we, we arrive at the airport. We drop off the rental car, and I check in to, you know, the, with the airport's Wi-Fi. And now our flight's not going to leave at 8.30. It's going to leave at 11.05. And I'm thinking, oh, man, it's like three and a half hours into Winnipeg. Then I've got to get home. I've got to speak tomorrow at noon at the seniors' luncheon in Steinbach. I'm like, oh, this is really crazy, you know? Well, anyway, so the plane eventually lands from Winnipeg, and we got on board real quick, and, and all was well. Uh, and, and we taxied away from the gate and, and went over to the runway. Now, now, Tampa Airport is a little busier than Brandon and even busier than Winnipeg, okay? Planes are coming in, taking off constantly. So anyway, so we taxi over to the runway, and the plane stops. I'm thinking, okay, there's probably something coming in, something taking off. You don't want to get in the way of those things. It can be pretty catastrophic, you know. Well, anyway, uh, we, we sat there for about a minute, and all of a sudden, the uh, flight attendant comes on and says, uh, ladies and gentlemen, the pilot, the, the captain has uh, announced that there is um, a warning signal in the fire suppression system. We have to go back to the gate to get this checked out to, to find out what the problem is, you know. And I'd never seen anything like it. He turned that plane around on a dime. I don't know how he did it, but just whoop, you know, and we booted back to the gate. Well, by then, this is getting close to midnight, and, and all the mechanics at the airport have gone home and that kind of thing. Nobody's around to help. And so, anyway, the pilot comes, and, and he stands in front of all of us kind of thing, and he addresses us. He says, ladies and gentlemen, I have never seen this problem in my life, but there's a warning that the fire suppression equipment in the baggage area is, is, is not working, and... Uh, so basically, we want to get to Winnipeg, but the only way we can do so is to leave the baggage here in Tampa. And we're like, wow, <laughs> that's bizarre. And I found it after. Uh, we've got some pilot friends in our church in Winnipeg, uh, one guy that's flown for Air Canada for years. And uh, so they got fire suppression equipment in all the jet engines in the baggage area. So if anything catches fire, they just you know, kind of press the button and it extinguishes the fire. I, I didn't know they had all that. But anyway, so the, the, the fire retardant in the baggage area wasn't working. Well, anyway, uh, the pilot straps on this reflective vest. He's down there. Some people had left their medicines in their check baggage, okay? So he's lugging some of that stuff out. He's coming through the, the cabin carrying car seats. And I, I just had never seen anything like it. It was just like, oh, is this really happening, you know? Well, anyway, finally, 12 minutes after one, the plane lifted off into the Florida sky, and we were finally headed for Winnipeg, you know? And Natalie kind of looked over at me and said, there's a lesson in there. And I thought, yeah, yeah, they're serious. Don't fly swoop, maybe. <laughs> you know. Anyway, so we walked in our front door at quarter to six in the morning. I got up at eight and spoke to the seniors group at noon that day and stuff. They were very forgiving, thankfully. But uh, as I was thinking about that, I thought, you know, sometimes in life, we've got to leave the baggage behind. Sometimes to get to our destination, we've got to just say, you know what? We're not going to take that along. And it may be things in our lives that, you know, some, 
some uh, hurts that have happened to us along the way, and we're just kind of dragging that stuff along, and maybe something's been said to us, and we're lugging that stuff through life, and we're not getting to our destination because we're, we're bound, we're weighed down by this stuff. And I thought of the passage that was read earlier, uh, Hebrews chapter 12, where, the, where Scripture says this, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, let us leave the baggage behind, and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I thought, you know, isn't that exactly what we just lived? Leaving the past behind, laying aside every weight. Well, the, the verse starts in chapter uh, 12 and verse 1. The writer to the Hebrews says this, therefore we also. Now, whenever in Scripture you see the word therefore, you need to stop and ask, what's it therefore, okay? You know, therefore, and, and the writer goes on and says, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, okay? Well, well what exactly is that about? Well, if we look in our Bibles to Hebrews 12, verse 1, it's referring to what came before that, okay? And it was great being in Sunday school because you guys covered a bunch of stuff that we're going to touch on this morning here in this message. And we find Hebrews 11 is faith's hall of fame. People that lived in the Old Testament that didn't have the New Testament, had parts of the Old Testament to kind of guide them, but these were people that just kind of took step by step of faith and they trusted God to guide them. We find in Hebrews 11 verse 4, uh, Abel is referred to, the first biblical character that's mentioned, it says, Abel brought a more excellent sacrifice. So there's Abel, the, you know, the second brother of uh, Adam and Eve, and Scripture refers to his faith. He didn't you know, know God in, in the way that maybe Adam and Eve had, but uh, there he is bringing a sacrifice uh, of, um, uh, of his, uh, the first fruits of his flock. Well, the Scripture goes on in uh, verse 7. talks about Noah. Noah is commanded by God to build an ark. I mean, they hadn't even seen rain before that, you know? So it's like, what? It's gonna rain? What? What's gonna happen? You know, and so he builds this ark for 120 years and of course saves his family and uh, many of the animals in uh, that ark. Well, we go on and we find the story of Abraham. And it's remarkable that, that scripture uses Abraham as a model of faith because here's a guy that kind of tripped his way along and stumbled his way through, made a mess of his family, made a mess of the world uh, still to this day, you know. But it remarks that Abraham, it, it commends Abraham for his faith. And you know the story how God promised Abraham land and seed and blessing. And he was 75 at the time. And finally, 25 years later, the guy's like 100 years old, you know. And God finally gives him the son that was promised, you know. Well, uh, it's not too long after that, maybe 10, 15, 20 years, where God tells Abraham, I want you to go sacrifice your son over on this mountain I'm going to tell you about. Well, that's got to have raised some questions, right? Here, Abraham had waited for 25 years for this son, and now God wants him to sacrifice him? Like, what's that about, you know? Well, if you don't read the story in Genesis 22, you know what happened. Uh, Abraham obeys. They go up this mountain, and, and just before, as the picture suggests, just before Abraham 
takes the life of his son Isaac, the angel has stopped. Now, that I, know, now I know that you fear God. You've not withheld your only son from me. And of course, uh, do you remember what happens? What, what happens next in that story? Does anybody remember? The angel stops him, yeah. And there's a dodge in the thicket, right? A ram? <laughs> Sorry, that. <laughs> okay, that was a little bit weak. Okay, ram. Yeah. So anyway, so that's where we learn about um, the, the atonement, where, where the ram in the thicket takes Isaac's place on the sacrifice. And of course, that's a foreshadowing that one day the Lamb of God will come and take away the sins of the world. So the story of Abraham... Uh, and, and uh, his faith. Well, then we go on to verse 23 in Hebrews 11. We find the story of Moses. And, of course, uh, at that time, this was years later where, um, anyway, you can read all about it in the book of Genesis, but uh, the Israelites were now in Egypt, and uh, 400 years had passed. They'd grown into a mighty nation, and the Egyptians saw them as a threat. And the Egyptian ruler said, you know what, we're going to kill all the Hebrew baby boys, and uh, we're going to, you know, kind of eliminate these people or kind of at least uh, stop their rapid growth uh, in population. Well, uh, this little boy Moses is born, and his parents try to hide him for a while, but eventually they have to um, get him out of the house because they're, they're kind of in danger. Um, so they put him in this little basket, make it waterproof, and put him in the river. Well, who comes to take a dunk in the river but Pharaoh's daughter, right? And uh, through a series of amazing events, uh, um, God sees to it that Moses gets to be raised in a, in a Hebrew house, in a Jewish household, and then is trained in the court of Pharaoh. And so it's just a really amazing series of events that God uses to prepare Moses for what's ahead. And then, of course, uh, we talked about this in Sunday school as well. Uh, years later, God uses Moses to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. So Moses is commended in Hebrews 11 in Faith's Hall of Fame. And basically, the writer in chapter 11 says, you know what, time fails me to tell you all about these other people. Let's all just briefly mentions all these other people that, uh, that we could talk about and so on. But that brings us to Hebrews chapter 12. And the writer to the Hebrews says, therefore, we also, you and me, since we're surrounded by all these people, these Old Testament saints that walk by faith, let us lay aside every weight. And like I said, sometimes in life, we're just dragging some heavy weight around, you know, things that have maybe been said to us as kids, maybe things that have been done to us, maybe a bully in school, you know, has done something and we're just lugging that around or, or we're carrying around some heavy burden, you know, that, that maybe subconsciously or emotionally has been uh, stuck onto us and we're lugging that thing through life. For some of us, it might be legalism. You know, you've, you've understood Christianity to be a bunch of rules, a bunch of do's and don'ts and that kind of thing. And you're, you're trying to lug your way through life, trying to do all these do's and don'ts. And like I said, it, it might have been things that were said to us. You know, you are so fill in the blank, you know. And sometimes uh, the people around us, maybe uh, in, I, I guess I think of those of you that are, you know, parenting and stuff. Sometimes those kids can kind of push your buttons and stuff. And I know as a kid, and those of you, uh, I mean, a bunch of you guys know me from when I was a teenager. I kind of, I guess I knew how to push my parents' buttons too and stuff. And it really kind of put them over the edge, kind of, especially my mom, you know. And uh, I won't repeat the things that she said, but it's still, <laughs> but it's still, those words still play over in your mind, right? The things that you hear as a child, you are so whatever, you are 
whatever, you know? And there's hurts, there's offenses that come, and we're lugging them through life and not soaring to the heights that God has called us to. I was talking to a friend of mine who pastors a church in Winnipeg, a little tiny church, you know? And um, there's two ladies in his church that are having a fight. They're in a conflict, you know? And uh, basically, he's been called in to be the intermediary in this conflict. And both of these women have told him that if he sides with the other lady, they will no longer darken the door of his church. And like I say, it's already a very small church to begin with, you know? So that might be us, you know, lugging this junk through life, conflicts, bitterness, you know, people have hurt us. And we're like, oh, I'm not going to go to that place because that person's going to be there. And we're living our lives, you know, like this lady on the left here, carrying around these heavy burdens of stuff that we're not designed to carry around. Or the second thing is, the writer to the Hebrews says, oh, before we go to that, Here's a picture of, uh, here's this guy in the Indy 500, and for some reason, he's got this trailer behind, loaded up with tra distractions, worries, guilt, shame, grudges, and sin. And he says to the picture, I, I don't know why, but I seem to be falling behind, right? Well, it's kind of the same illustration. You know, we're trying to run the race, we're trying to, you know, win the race, but if we're lugging all this stuff around, we're not going to win it. Second thing uh, Hebrew says is, Lay aside every weight. Secondly, lay aside the sin that so easily entangles us. Sin that so easily entangles us. Our enemy, Satan, is clever. He's been doing his stuff for millennia, right? For years and years and years. And he knows how to, you know, set those snares in our way, how to trip us up. And we, we need to be so very careful what we watch, what we listen to, what we read and what we imagine, the things that we allow into our minds. Here's a guy, you know, uh, speaking of the sin so easily entangled, I found this online. It, it hurts to watch it, right? You know? <laughs> Here's this guy, he's, he's getting all tripped up by these hurdles, you know, but he's, he keeps going, you know, oh, you know. Well, anyway, um, James talks about this, you know, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is, when it is full grown, gives birth uh, it brings forth death. And what scripture says is, as we allow these temptations, these thoughts, these fantasies into our minds, it takes root inside us, and then we're just one step away from falling into whatever sin that is. And sometimes we think of that as sexual sin. Maybe it's uh, uh, an anger outburst or, or whatever. And we fantasize about stuff like this, and we're just a step away from uh, acting out that kind of behavior. Uh, sometimes it's our words, right? Uh, Proverbs 18.21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. When we speak, are we speaking words of life, or are we speaking words of death? And like I said, you know, I grew up in a home where sometimes the words that we heard as children were words of death. I mean, and I loved my parents. They're both gone now. They're both uh, with the Lord. But sometimes those words, you know, to us, you know, were, were death words kind of thing. And so uh, basically my, my siblings and myself, you know, we've needed to kind of work through some of this stuff. And, and sometimes those hurts that we experience, the words that are said to us, it's bigger than just saying, oh, you know, Lord, help me forget this, you know. And sometimes, you know, someone with Natalie's training needs to come alongside and just kind of help us through uh, those kinds of things. And if, if you've been raised in a home where you experience that, 
uh, it's going to be natural to carry that on to the next generation. And uh, I would just encourage you, if that's your experience, as it was for me, let's stop the curse right here and now. And if, if you've been, you know, had words of death spoken to you, uh, to, to deal with those and to break the cycle, to break it off and so it doesn't continue on and on and on. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Sometimes it's the friends we hang out with that makes a difference to us as well. I, uh, our family was living in the Morden area back in the late 70s. Amazing things were happening. There was a, a revival coming. Uh, a revival was happening. There was a, a couple of uh, evangelists that had been in town, the Sutera twins, and uh, they had been preaching for weeks, and, and they just, you know, God was moving. People were uh, repenting. People were uh, making reconciliation with each other, and, and, you know, great things were happening. Well, in the midst of that, my dad quit his job and we moved away. We moved to east of Winnipeg. And so we kind of moved from the Bible Belt of Manitoba to nothing anywhere near the Bible Belt kind of thing, east of Winnipeg. And uh, so there we were. And the people in school, I mean, the language, they said the, the swear words, using the Lord's name in vain and stuff like that. I mean, it was just, yeah, it, it was just really... Well, I guess what really revealed it to me was I was working, I always, no matter where we lived, I always built kind of a tree fort and that kind of always had a little, you know, clubhouse or whatever to, to work on. And, uh, you know, one day I think I hit the wrong nail or something like that. And the words that came, I'm like, whoa, where did that come from? I don't speak that way. But sometimes we got to be careful who we hang out with because that can affect our lives as well. Running the race with endurance. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And it's the picture of this kind of a, a race, a marathon, a long distance run. So what is this race that is set before us? Are we talking about the Indy 500? Are we talking about the uh, Canadian Power Toboggan Championships happening this weekend in Bozier? What's this race that scripture talks about? Well, we find in 2 Timothy 4, the answer. Paul writes this, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now, if we were to look up this verse in context, this is at the end of Paul's life, he knows he is about to lose his life. We believe he was martyred. And so the race, friends, is our lives from beginning to end. In verse 8, Paul says, Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing running the race and running it well. Scripture says in uh, Philippians 3, uh, Paul writes this, not that I have already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, leaving the baggage behind, and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. It's kind of like there's Paul running this race and he sees Jesus at the finish line waiting to welcome him to his heavenly home. Pressing toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Hebrews says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. You know, there he is, if we can picture him at the finish line, at the end of our lives, waiting to welcome us 
into his heavenly home that he's been preparing for us since he went to the Father. So scripture here in Hebrews 12 describes Jesus, you know, looking unto Jesus. Who is Jesus? Well, he's the author of our faith. He's the one that, that wrote the book, right? He's the one that originated our faith. He's the finisher of our faith. He completed it. When he died on the cross, he said, it is what? Finished. It is finished. He is the finisher of our faith. And we read in the, the Garden of Gethsemane. Remember Jesus praying, Lord, take this cup from me, but not my will, but yours be done. Jesus obeyed, and notice what happened. The joy that was set before him and as you and I obey God's will as well, even in the hard things in life, there's a joy that comes from living in obedience. The joy set before Jesus. He made the sacrifice and as a result experienced the joy. He endured the cross, the most humiliating death that a person could ever have died. He despised the shame. What a shameful way to die. But Jesus says, you know what? It's the Father's will. It's the price I need to pay for the people that I love and so I will go through with this. And scripture wraps up in verse two by saying he has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now that's a pretty familiar expression in scripture, Jesus sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. It takes us actually back, the first time that I found it, at least in scripture, was in Psalm 110, where uh, the psalmist says, it's a, it's a prophetic word, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. And it's kind of like, okay, what's that about? And when I was in college, I was kind of scratching my head, like, is this a play on words or what's going on? So you kind of have to look behind it to kind of see the Hebrew. So the first Lord, the Lord, Yahweh, Jehovah, as in God the Father, said to my Lord, which refers to the Messiah, to Jesus, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. So there's this uh, promise way back in uh, the time of David of, uh, of Jesus sitting at the Father's right hand. And if you look through the New Testament, this passage is quoted many, many, many times, and Jesus explains it and so on, and there's a lot there. But Hebrews chapter 1, I was just reading this in my devotions, and I wanted to share this with you. Uh, it, it really kind of br brings some clarity to this aspect of God uh, having Jesus at his right hand. God who at various times and in various ways spoken time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things. Okay, he's appointed Jesus heir of all things, through whom he also made the worlds. You can read all about that in Colossians 1, that Jesus you know, spoke all things into existence. Um, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and that talks about Jesus being God in human form, uh, and upholding all things by the word of his power. And that talks about Jesus sustaining all things. Again, you can read about that in Colossians 1.15. When he had by himself purged our sins, when he had paid the price, made the sacrifice on the cross, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So Jesus comes, he lives a perfect life here, dies on the cross, gets buried. Three days later, he rises from the dead, and then he ascends to... God the Father's right hand. Now, is anybody here right now saying, asking this question? Uh, so what? Like, what does it matter? You know, you're probably like, okay, you've been going on on this topic for about 10 minutes now. What's the deal, you know? This is a key, this is a key factor, okay? This is when, you know, like, as I was reading this, studying this this week, it's just like, this is so cool. Romans 8, 
what shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Okay, so that verse is saying, you know what? God gave us his one and only son, his most precious son. You can count on God to meet your needs because he loves us so much. Who shall bring a charge, verse 33, against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? It is Christ that died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, and listen to this part, who also makes intercession for us. Isn't that amazing? Jesus died, he rose from the dead, he ascended to heaven, he's at God the Father's right hand, and what's he doing? Is he playing video games? No, he's interceding. He's, you know, he's aware of what our needs are. He's saying, you know, Daddy, look at, look at these guys down in Killarney. They, they're praying about this. You know, uh, you know, he's kind of interceding on our behalf. We jump back a few verses, and it talks about the Holy Spirit. So there's Jesus, a God the Father's right hand. There's a Father. Now listen to what the Spirit's doing. The Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. Do you ever have times in your life you're like, oh, man, this is just so overwhelming. I don't know how to pray about this, you know. We know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself, what does he do? Makes intercession for us. So the Holy Spirit too, the, the Godhead is on our side. You know, there's the Holy Spirit making intercession, God the Son making intercession. Notice the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. You know, sometimes the hurts we live, the disappointments, they're so heavy that we're like, I don't know how to pray about this, you know? But the Spirit's making intercession with groanings which can't be uttered. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Isn't that amazing? There's Jesus interceding for us. The Spirit's making interceding for us, intercession for us. Uh, of course, you guys know verse 28 of Romans 8? And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Well, let's get back to Hebrews 12. There we are. We've got all these Old Testament saints that have run the race before us, that have called us to a life of faith. And even our uh, descendants, uh, descendants? No, ancestors. There we go. I always get those two mixed up kind of thing. You know, the people that have run before us. I think of my grandpa, Grandpa Giesbrecht, who was a minister in a church in Altona for 40 years, you know, running the race, you know, and just having that blessed heritage to be able to, you know, have a grandpa that wanted to share Jesus with everybody and being able to you know, share that same message all these years later. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let's run with endurance the race set before us. And the key is to look to Jesus. So how do we land this thing? You know, thankfully that plane landed, you know, in Winnipeg. And uh, of course, then we had to go through customs and all that stuff. How do we land this sermon? Well, three things that I want to leave with us today. And we've kind of looked at them already. But this morning... Uh, scripture is calling us to lay down those weights, you know, the things that are keeping us from soaring. And my question to you is, what kind of weight are you lugging around today? I want to take some time after, uh, after I finish up here in just moments. <clears throat> and if, if, as I've been speaking, the Spirit's been saying, you know what, there's something you need to lay down. Uh, I want to give you that opportunity. I want to be praying for you. And maybe even as the last song is sung, um, there, I love that praise song about the altar kind of thing. And maybe, I know that's probably not culture in this church. Some churches, you know, if you've got a burden, you just bring it to the altar. And, you know, maybe in the last song, as, as Bert leads us, uh, maybe you want to come and just, 
and just bow and just say, Lord, I, I lay this weight at your feet. And maybe you're thinking, you know, this whole thing about these sins tripping us up, man, I'm, I, you know, I'm in the middle of the snare right now, and I need to be loosed from that, you know? And uh, maybe today's the day to confess that and say, Lord, I lay that at your feet. I want to break this sin in my life, whether it be, you know, a temptation of a physical nature, maybe it's a verbal thing, whatever it is. May God help us to, to uh, break through the things that are binding us that, and so that we can live in freedom and joy and victory in how he has called us to live. Finally, verse 2, looking to Jesus, who's waiting for us at the finish line. How can we you know, lay aside these weights? How can we keep these temptations from tripping us up and be looking to Jesus? Because he is the author, the finisher of our faith. He's, he's paved the way for us, and now we can run in the freedom and joy that he gives us. So let's pray, and I'd ask all heads to be bowed, every eye closed, as we just spend some time in quiet reflection. This morning, as we've been talking about laying aside the weights, the, leaving the baggage behind, perhaps there's someone here that says, you know what, I've been lugging around this stuff for years, and I want to lay it down today. If so, I would just ask you to slip up your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to single you out. But I uh, just want to pray for you and, uh, so that we can just experience that joy and freedom in which we're called to live. Is there someone that says, you know what? I need to be released from this stuff. Sure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Perhaps there's someone here this morning that says, you know what? This whole thing with sin ensnaring us Man, that's, that's been my life this week. It's been my life in this last year. And I feel Satan just, he's just really got his claws on me and I need to be released from that. Is there someone that says, pray for me and pray for a release from this, uh, this temptation? So just slip up your hand. Sure. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Sure. See that hand. Thank you. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for the freedom that is ours in you. Lord, help us to live as your people, to live in the joy and the victory that you give. And Lord, whether it be things that were said to us as children, whether it be things that bullies said to us or did to us or whatever it is, the things that we're lugging around, Lord, help us to lay those at your feet, to leave those here at the altar this morning to lay it at your feet, at the foot of the cross, and let us leave here in joy and in victory. Lord, I pray for those that have shared uh, by upraised hand a need for prayer in the area of temptation. Lord, we want to live victoriously. And so I pray for each one. You know the struggles that each of us are facing. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to stand together as brothers and sisters in you, that uh, perhaps you would bring just... Uh, brothers alongside brothers and sisters alongside sisters that can help us to navigate these difficult uh, temptations, these things that Satan sends our way, and it seems like there's more every day. And so, Lord, I pray for each one here, myself included, that we would live in your victory. And so we pray, and uh, in the name of Jesus, we declare that the sins that have been holding us captive we declare freedom in the name of Jesus. And to Satan and his demons, we command in the name of Jesus to be gone, to loose his hands and his snares from the people 
and the sound of my voice. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that we can live in your joy and in your victory. And I pray that for each one here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.